0: Radically Resilient Health is not the absence of injury, disease, infection, or stress. Rather, it's the ability to recover from injury, disease, or stress.
1: This is Radically Resilient Health with Dr. Carolyn Dolan, founder of Vitakinetics. I'm your host, Connie Ray. We want to continue to share this vital and important information about how easy it is to change your health through simple lifestyle changes. So please, subscribe to our podcast. Follow Vitakinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan on Facebook and Instagram. This is Radically Resilient Health. Welcome back to Radically Resilient Health with Dr. Carolyn Dolan. I am your host, Connie Ray. And on this episode today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Dusty Braun. He's a psychologist in Reno, but he is also the owner and founder of our local food basket, which he started with his wife, locally sourced food, fruits and veggies. And we're also going to talk with him about the importance of the five kinetic principles and what tips the balance for someone to be radically resilient in their health? We'll talk about eating well, moving well, connecting well, supplementing well, and sleeping well. Dr. Carolyn Dolan, thank you again for being with us. And I'm really looking forward to this. We, we talk so much about your principles, and I think have, having uh, Dr. Braun with us today is going to be great because we're talking about our local food basket Fruits and veggies, eating delicious, whole, nutrient-dense foods, such a key component to radically resilient health.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to meet with Dr. Braun today. Um, We met, I mean, it's been years now. We Mm -hmm. almost became neighbors because they considered almost a (laughs) a farm property near our house, and that was going to be really exciting. But what, you know, Connie and I on Radically Resilient Health often are talking about The mental health piece. And we really thought having somebody um, with that expertise sort of share what their experience is in those fundamental principles and how they play a role in that resiliency as it relates to mental health. And obviously nutrition is an important component, but it's not the only component. And we'd love to hear your story and your sort of clinical perspective on on that take.
2: Yeah. So I... I started in practice. So originally, I was going to be a high school math teacher. I have a degree in secondary math education that I've never used. I got my master's degree to make more money as a teacher, ended up falling in love with marriage and family therapy, and then went on and got my doctorate. And my perspective over the years has, has really changed a ton. I, I would say that my kind of general approach, I take an eclectic approach. I like using a lot of different therapeutic uh, modules, but kind of the foundation for the way I approach every client that comes into my office, and I try and do for my own personal life, although sometimes I, I'm not as great at that, but I take a bio, psycho, social spiritual model for health, and that's kind of the overarching uh, foundational principles of my practice so that every person that comes into my office, whether they're dealing with PTSD or they're dealing with depression or anxiety or difficult life choices whatever's going on we kind of start at the basics we start with with kind of the environmental factors that we can control or uh, attempt to control or uh, attempt to influence kind of right off the bat and so the the first questions i ask people is what are you eating what's your appetite like what types of foods are you eating And how much exercise are you getting? What's your sleep schedule like? Are you napping too much through the day and not sleeping at night? What's your social life like? We're kind of hitting all of those factors right up front because honestly, those factors are the, those are the biggest influencers on mental health in general. The, as I'm sure you're well aware, the the vagus nerve kind of connects to our brains and runs all the way down through our body, connecting to our, our throats and our lungs, our guts, our bowels. And 85% of the serotonin that we get in our brain comes from our gut. It's transferred up to the brain. And so what you're putting into your body is hugely important. Like it's the first factor that we, we tend to focus on whenever we're attempting to improve mood or lessen anxiety, that type of thing. It's also the thing that, especially now coming in, climbing our way out of COVID that many of us have not done well. I know I tried to eat my way through COVID with comfort foods for quite a few months and, um, it didn't go very well for me. So that's kind of my general approach, kind of the foundational aspect of, of the way I approach every client.
1: I find it so interesting. Carol and I have had many conversations about you know the food that you put in your body. And one of the things that I have said to her is, I find it so interesting when you talk to certain people um, who aren't connecting or listening to their body when they put food in it. I, I feel as though I, I can immediately tell when I'm not eating right. right. You know, yep. if I, the minute I have a hot fudge Sunday, I feel it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, if it's out of my normal eating routine, why do you think that we have such a disconnection between listening to what how our body responds when we
2: eat certain foods. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about this last night and getting ready for today. And I think sometimes we treat ourselves as separate from our bodies. It's it's like we have this the sense of self and you know, and we could talk about the the ego and the superego and the id and and all of that stuff and kind of the structures that make up like who we are as as people. And so we we tend to think of ourselves and and then we we don't really connect the body portion to that. It's like, we have this sense of self and we have our relationships and we have our work life and we parent a certain way, but we, we don't necessarily see the connection of like how, how I'm treating my body, what I'm putting into my body and how that impacts every other thing. Right. So I think that's part of it. I also think it's, it's part of it that whatever you put into your body, you're going to begin to crave, right? So if you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables and healthy foods and you know, Carolyn is way more of a healthy person than I am. I love to grab a bag of chips after work, you know, but uh, which I'm trying not to do because my cholesterol is a little high, but whatever you're putting into your body, you begin to crave those things, right? So if you're putting in all sorts of bad fats and uh, chips and bad foods, sweets, sugar, soda, those types of things, alcohol, if you're putting your, all those things into your body, your body begins to crave those things and you don't even realize that the craving has happened until you, you begin to kind of, you know, take away those things from, from your body. You know, like I, I went off the chips uh, about, you know, nine months ago, cause I, I needed to lose weight and get into shape. And, and those first couple of weeks, that was rough. It's like, I didn't know what to do with myself after work. Cause I was so used to, to grabbing my little comfort food for the ride home.
0: We, we talk a lot about on the podcast too, about that gut brain connection. And a lot of yeah. what you're describing is what you put in your microbiome, you know, the little bacteria in there yeah. begin to thrive off whatever you're feeding it and can actually communicate to drive those cravings you know, yeah. through the vagus nerve. Like you mentioned, yeah. the the other thing that you brought up is, you know, the separateness of our bodies versus self for me personally. I don't even know that we realize how bad we actually feel, mm-hmm. right? Because if we're just so used to fueling ourselves in one way, I really didn't realize that all the things I was experiencing weren't actually totally normal until I ripped that band-aid off and really started being very specific about how I was fueling my body. And I realized, oh, wait, maybe this is what normal is yeah. this other way with, you know, the depression, the, you know, fatigue and all these other things, like maybe I just thought that was normal because everyone tends to have it. Um, I didn't really realize I felt badly until I actually started to feel good. So there is also that like people aren't realizing the chips are actually, or sodas, because it's been just such a regular part of their lives. In your clinical experience, I mean, even outside of nutrition of these other roles, have you seen or noticed any particular component that has sort of stood out to you? That's really demonstrated people being able to recover through some pretty significant, you know, traumas or life stresses into that resiliency realm. What's been your clinical experience with that?
2: Yeah, it's a, well, as human beings, we're complex, right? So that it, it's uh, it's it's not only these environmental factors that we focus on. You know, hey, let's let's fix what you're eating, what you're putting into your body. Let's get into a good sleep schedule. Let's figure out how to get you know good rest at night, where you're going into the you know the deep parts of sleep and and really le- allowing your brain to reset. Good social connections, which obviously coming through COVID has been a disaster, frankly, for the majority of people, uh, and then as well exercise. So. Once we kind of get past that, then it's like once we address those things, then, then we kind of what most people do, and frankly, what a lot of the the mental health field tends to do, is is focus primarily on emotions, behaviors, uh, and thoughts. And so, which is kind of a general kind of CBT approach, cognitive behavioral therapy approach, uh, which is not a bad approach. I use a lot of those principles in working in therapy. But there's also factors that are much deeper than that. Like we are we are meaning making creatures. And we tend to, we create meaning in our lives through the relationships that we have through a deeper connection of something outside of ourselves, through uh, all sorts of uh, different variables. And so that's kind of, you know, whenever I kind of talk about like a depth to humanity, it's like these Environmental factors are up up here on the top, and some of those things we can control, and some some of the times people can't control those things, and we, we can work with that resistance. But then the next layer down is kind of the thoughts, emotions, behaviors that are connected. That, that that's the realm that we tend to live in day to day, just Monday through Friday. That we we kind of exist in those, in just our th- our thoughts and how we feel that day and what behaviors we're engaging in. But deep underneath all of that stuff are meaning making structures that create. The drive for what we have in our life. If if I don't have meaning, or if I don't have something that I'm striving for in life, uh, something that gives me a, a deep meaning and a deep connection to my place in this world at this time, then why in the world would I care about what food I'm putting into my body, or how much alcohol I'm consuming, or how many sweets I'm eating at night, or the types of relationships that I that I have and try and cultivate? And so that's where honestly the deepest level of change happens is is deep inside the soul of a person when we begin to unpack all of these different types of things so i don't know if i'm explaining that well but that that's kind of a well it's what makes us human right it's it's the it's the depth of who we are
1: you know on our our last podcast we had talked a little bit about you know, environment, emotions, how this all kind of comes into play. And I was talking about, um, I, I had an eating disorder for many, many years mm. and, uh, literally for 20 years. And then finally in my mid twenties, got some help. And I always go back to the food was never the issue, right? It never was. It was other emotional, like you're saying, unpacking what that emotional, Right. garbage was that I needed to get out is what saved me. The food was never, ever, ever. It was never about the food. It was about control. Right. And I'm just curious that with your patients, when you start to address these habits, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Uh, do you get some pushback with people? Because a lot of times when, if you come in and start therapy in your thirties, you're set in your Yes. who you are, your makeup. It's hard. I mean, I know how difficult and challenging it is yep. to start a new habit. Do you yep. get pushback or do they start to realize and see the value in, oh my gosh, I am starting to think about what I'm putting in yep. my body and how I'm feeling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So my approach with every person that comes into my office, like as people are talking to me, I'm kind of having a conversation with myself in my head Um, which I'm not schizophrenic, but, um, I'm having a conversation with myself in my head about what type of approach is really going to unlock or allow that, that light bulb moment to kind of kick on. Right. And for different people, it's, it's different things. Like for some people, they are ready, willing, and able. They come in, you say, Hey, go home, do these three things. They come back the next week and they've done the three things. And it's like, okay, wow, we've got something to work with. I've got other clients where you know we're 2 years down the road and they haven't made one change. They they haven't they haven't been able to engage in any of the things that we're talking about. And working with that resistance with people I think is really important and so the the approach that I try and take is whenever I kind of find that type of resistance or I feel like somebody is stuck we try and go to the deeper levels of the human psyche and kind of the narrative or the meaning that's associated with that. Like Connie, you mentioned, you know, an eating disorder in your twenties, like underneath the behavior and the thoughts that were tied to eating and control was a value structure. Like we're, we're as human beings, we, we create our lives from a value structure. It's like this ladder that, that up to the top is the person that we put out into the world. And so, When that ladder is is filled with the value system that's tied to your sense of self, how you see your body, uh, what food represents in that, that's a meaning narrative that's deep down inside. And so, allowing people to shift that narrative or to change the narrative or change the story can be really, really key. Like, so the the idea behind like narrative therapy is is the idea that like we could watch a movie of someone's life. And we could get all the facts. So that's why we love watching movies, right? We watch people's stories unfold on the screen and we can see all the facts of everything. But there's a second narrative that kind of exists on top of that, that story of facts. And that's the story that we tell ourselves about our story. Um, and sometimes those narratives can be really unhelpful. and And those are the types of narratives that that you know when you find yourself in that place where you're believing something about yourself that's that's not helpful that's that's harmful that's unhealthy then how do we work with that and replace that narrative with a narrative that is much more helpful that allows a person to to then begin to let go of that unhealthy narrative that unhelpful narrative and move towards health and then sometimes the environmental factors change once that narrative has changed, once they're able to, to begin to let go of the story that's holding them stuck in a, in a world that they don't like, you know, uh, most people are coming to therapy because they don't like where they're at. They just don't know how to, how to move forward with it. So I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the approach that I take.
0: Well, what I really love about what you're saying is and it's been my experience both in the physical therapy clinic and when I was in that health coaching arena for, for a bit is if they don't have a willingness or ability to make the changes in those areas, um, it, it, you go deeper into an area where you can hopefully start to make, make some changes. And then it sort of trickles down, Mm -hmm. um, you meet them where they are. That's, Mm -hmm. that's sort of the terminology we talk about is you meet You meet your patient where they are um, because you can't get everyone to, you know, give up all the sweets at once. I mean, that works for some people, but a lot of people, you know, really have some um, issues or environmental effects. I also find that uh, when I was working with either a parent in a family unit, the success came when everybody was on board. Yep. Doing the same thing. So even in the child's, uh, if if I was working with a parent related to a um, a child's condition, their success was dependent on whether or not everyone else in their family was willing to go go in on it. And if yep. there wasn't, you had to just you know the success was going to your your measures of success were going to be different, and you had to meet those people because you can't always make. Daddy, the same things for whatever reason, or the other child is older and wanting to make their own independent choices. But I love what you're saying about just, you meet them where they are. You don't really perseverate on those top level things. And you kind of go deeper to a, maybe a more meaning spiritual side, um, purpose, yeah. purpose driven thing. Yeah. So, um, that's really It's really important for people to hear too, because a part of this whole idea of radically resilient health was again, all these components are important and can be incredibly effective, of course, and certainly something to strive for, but life is messy
2: sometimes
0: and uh, the human psychology can be complicated and you can still make gains working um, in other ways. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and, um, yeah, food. You've got our local basket locally for some food delivery of nutritious, um, serotonin
1: producing food, right? I have a question about that. Do you feel like the, that the driving force behind starting that business really did have to do with what you were experiencing with your patients?
2: You know, I uh I, Christy my wife who's a much more wonderful human than I am. Um she she's always had this focus with food and she loves to cook. She loves to cook healthy things. Um I'm grateful she's in my life because I would probably be a health disaster if she wasn't. But um she she really just created this idea. I, it uh, it all started with an accident. We accidentally had uh, one of the major um, uh, food delivery um, meal services uh, deliver a box to our door and we didn't know who it was supposed to go to so we just cooked the meal don't tell anyone um and uh when, when we we pulled everything out of the the box it was it was packaged all over the place a lot of international stuff and a lot and and so she just had this idea of like we live in a wonderful area with tons of um local proteins and seasonal obviously when it comes to veggies but right over the hill an hour away we've got amazing fruits and vegetables that are organic and what if we could get that to people um, in a way that's you know where they don't have to go out and they get the meals delivered and we can do healthier meals and we can do it organic and we can do it as locally sourced as possible and so she had that idea and started running with it and um, but I do see the benefit, you know, is, uh, obviously in, in eating more salads or eating healthier meals, uh, those types of things just, uh, gratefully, gratefully influence, uh, my own personal life, but obviously with, with the people that we deliver to as well. So, well,
0: and we hope one day Christy and I are working on getting her, um, on board to interview on the podcast too. Um, awesome. because it's, it's really, cause she, ran with that idea, but it's really cool with her background. So hopefully we'll get to that sometime. So I thank you.
1: Wanna, I just want to say thank you too, because I think that as a psychologist, um, you know, obviously when I was going through therapy, it was about food, but I've yep. also gone through family therapy, uh, you know, for, you know, my husband and I have gone through therapy after, uh, we, we lost our daughter and mm, sorry. I, I, I think that, uh, Those conversations about what we put in our body, how we're taking care of ourselves, sleeping well, eating well, moving well, I don't think that those were really conversations that were being had 20 years ago. I don't think people, like you said, I thought people thought this was your head. And you got to take care of this. It had nothing to do with the rest of you from the neck down. And that is so not the case. So I'm so impressed that you are recognizing and saying to people, it's all one, your body and your mind are connected. And yep. for so long, I think we treated it so separately, right? Well, oh, they got diabetes. We're just going to treat the diabetes. Well, let's really look at the whole component. What is causing that? Or something causing them to crave the sugar in their brain? Yeah. So uh, that that's what I think is really an amazing opportunity. What Dr. Dolan is doing right now. And, and you yourself, Dr. Braun, is recognizing and highlighting to people that we are one. Everything is connected. It is so, so very important that we understand that what we put in, what we're feeding our body is also feeding our minds.
2: Yep. Yeah. It's so true. You know, and it's interesting because there has been a shift in, in mental health. Um, you know, even when I was in grad school, I had the opportunity to take a nutrition and mental health class and I didn't take it. Um, but, uh, the, one of the last conferences I went to, to get some CEU credits, um, it was a, it was a conference on trauma and they spent an entire hour and a half session talking about nutrition and trauma and how those things are related and looking at sleep and looking at social environments and looking at exercise and, and how all of that is the interplay and kind of the backdrop and kind of taking that holistic approach. And so, you know, as I've grown in my own clinical practice, I've, I try and incorporate it as much as possible because it is huge. It's key.
0: I forget what the statistic is, um, you know, where the scientific research sort of catches up to clinical practice, like the the, sort of the lag time, but we're really in this arena in, in the clinic. I even had an experience with, um, a physician recently related to my son was getting migraine headaches and they spent an hour and a half with us talking about nutrition, sleep, screen time. Yeah. Um, even recommended very specific supplements, um, uh, as well as some other um, medications to manage uh, hydration. And it was, it was just, um, I mean, while we really do try to be on top of those things in our family, yeah, it was very comforting to hear that coming from the clinician. Yeah. So I think the more, the more information we can get from respected healthcare providers and paying attention to those things is really important.
2: Yep.
1: Dr. Braun, we appreciate you joining us for Radically Resilient Health and really diving in and looking at how important these five vitakinetic principles are. Eat well, move well, connect well, supplement well, and sleep well. And uh, again, thank you so much for, for sharing your insight into the connection between what we're putting in our bodies and our mental health and how it plays such an important role. And I think it's just an amazing opportunity through this podcast. It's about radically resilient health. We say radically resilient health, but making those slight changes, what we're really saying is it's not that radical. It's quite easy to make these subtle changes and the amount of improvement that your mind and your body and your soul and your spirit will experience from making those slight adjustments. It's its just magnificent.
2: Well, it's been a pleasure being with you guys.
1: Learn more about Vitakinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan at vitakinetics.com. Use the discount code RESILIENT2021 to receive a one-time 10% off discount on Vitakinetics. Follow Vitakinetics and Dr. Carolyn Dolan on Facebook and Instagram. Content in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as medical, physical therapy, or healthcare advice. Listening to this podcast does not create a healthcare provider-patient relationship. Please contact your medical healthcare provider if you suspect you have a medical problem. This podcast is funded by Vitakinetics.